Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Annabelle Monahan, author of the novel Nora Goes Off Script. Writer Beth O'Leary said about Nora Goes Off Script, I love this book with my whole heart. It's smart, fresh, and romantic, full of humor and warmth. I didn't want to put it down. Annabelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What a nice way to start. I could I can hear you <laughs> read that all day. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Nora Goes Off Script, how would you describe the novel? Uh, it is a love story, um, and it turns out to be a book about motherhood. Um, so it's a love story and also a book about motherhood. Um, do you want me to give you a little summary? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Nora Hamilton is a made-for-TV romance writer, so think the Hallmark Channel, <laughs> um, and she get, gets a divorce and ends up writing a more serious um, screenplay about her divorce, and that gets picked up as a feature film and is filmed partially at her house, and she falls in love with the man who plays her husband in the movie. That's great. I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Nora Goes Off Script? I do. You know, it was it was it wasn't like a lightning bolt thing. It was mm -hmm. more um something that grew over time out of a couple of things that happened. Uh, but the main thing was that I was stuck in bed a couple of years ago and I just started watching the Hallmark Channel. And I have you ever watched the Hallmark Channel? A little bit. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. no one likes to admit to it, but I think a lot of people <laughs> do. Uh, but it's these two-hour, very formulaic romance stories. Um, and you watch one, and then you think, I'll just watch the beginning of the next one. And the next thing you know, you've been sitting there for six hours. You've watched three of them. <laughs> and I was just so struck uh, by the fact that they're all the same movie. I mean, it's the same story over and over again, you know, down to the timing of the commercial breaks. Um, with slightly different details. And I just started thinking about the kind of person that would write these. Um, frankly, I thought this might be a great job for me writing these movies. Uh, <laughs> and I just wondered, is it is it a really romantic person who believes in true love? Or is this something that happens on a corporate level where they're just reverse engineering the same love story uh, over and over again? And that's what gave me the idea about Nora, who is a a romance writer, and she's supported her deadbeat husband for 10 years and her two children by writing these movies, but she's never been in love. So I just thought it would be really fun to put that person through like a, you know, toe-curling romance. <laughs> That's great. I'm curious, what was your initial writing journey that led you to write and get your first novel published? So this is not my first novel. Um, I've written two young adult novels. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I didn't write those. I didn't, I wasn't published until I was 37 years old. So I got a very late start um, in doing all of this, which I don't regret because I think I probably wasn't ready to do any of this until I was 37 years old. Um, but I started out in banking. Um, I have an MBA. I worked in investment banking for several years um, and then I was home with my children for a long time before I started writing. And, and what led you to, to, um, writing? I mean, from, you know, as you just said, you were investment banking, what had you always wanted to write? What, what kind of prompted you to sit down and start work on that first novel? 
you know, that's, that is my natural bent. Um, I've wanted to be a writer since honestly, since I think I would, can remember thinking about it when I was six years old. Um, and I was a, you know, good English student in high school and I picked my university because it had a really strong English and writing program. And so that was, you know, I was going to live the dream. And when I was a senior in college, um, all of my friends were moving to New York city and that seemed like a fantastic thing to do. And it was at that point that I learned that you can't get a job writing a novel, that no one's going to pay you to do that. And so if I was going to be with my friends, um, I was going to need food and shelter. So I got a job on Wall Street. And I figured my whole plan, you know, when you're 21, you make great plans. My plan was that I would have that job and then I would write at night. Um, but the truth about that job is that you have that job and then you still do that job at night. So I got really off track and I ended up going and getting an MBA and then going back into banking. Um, and I figured that that was dead, you know, that I just like, that was a childhood dream of mine, um, that, you know, a lot of people want to be firefighters and they never become firefighters. Um, and it wasn't until I was 37 that I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I had the space to do it. That's great. Well, as you mentioned, you, you wrote and you had, and you've had, um, two young adult novels published. I'm curious, was writing Nora goes off script. Was that different for you, um, than writing a young adult novel? And if so, how? Yes, I, it's, you know, it's different in a lot of ways. Um, I think, that an adult writing a young adult novel can write with a little bit of distance. I'm not going to generalize. For me, I was mm -hmm. writing with a little bit of distance. When you write a novel, you are exposing so much about yourself without meaning to. You know, your whole soul gets poured into it. And I was very comfortable starting out um, exposing the soul of my 17-year-old self right? Because who cares? I don't, you know, it's, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a little bit of distance there. And I don't think it was until recently that I felt comfortable telling a story that reflected my own experience, you know, as a wife, as a mother, as a grown-up, managing a household, being a writer, you know, all of that kind of experience. I don't, I don't think I was quite ready to do that until now. So I, this feels more personal to me. Gotcha. And I'm curious, what what was the writing process um, like for you when you were working on Nora Goes Off Script? Are you someone who sat down and, and kind of outlined the novel before you began page one, or did you just dive into the narrative? How did that work for you? Hmm. Well, the thing you should know about me is I don't outline anything. I don't even make a grocery list. I am a, a <laughs> seat of the pants kind of a person down in my nature. Um, and that leads me to waste a tremendous amount of time. Uh, but I think you have to, you know, embrace who you are. This, uh, this novel, um, I wrote, I wrote it during the initial months of quarantine. Mm -hmm. So March, 2020, April, May. Um, and it was a time, as you remember, where we weren't all entirely sure that we were a going concern. You know, there was no, nothing. I remember. <laughs> right. I mean, and I had this idea about this romance channel writer, and I thought, you know what? I could be dead in a year. I should start writing this thing. Um, and the other thing that was happening is that I had all three of my children home. They're, you know, teenagers and adults, and I had my husband home. Um, but my children were sleeping until noon every day. So I just started writing this 
with that morning quiet house. And as I got further and further into it, I started waking up earlier and earlier in the morning <laughs> uh, because I couldn't wait to get downstairs and find out what Nora and Leo were up to. You know, I just it was the most joyful escapism um, that I've ever had. Um, and I I think I wrote a hundred page novel. So I wrote the whole thing and it was only a hundred pages. Um, and I got the whole story out fairly quickly. Um, and by the time I was done with a hundred pages, I knew more about who the characters were and what I wanted the book to be. And after that, I go back to sort of the left brain side of, of, uh, my thinking and make sense of the whole mess. So that's sort of my process is make a mess and then clean up my mess. <laughs> well, I'm curious, are you working on another novel now? You know, I just finished another novel. Um, when I say finished, it's probably not finished, but I just sent the latest revisions in. Um, and that is another uh, love story. Um, takes place at the beach. And the protagonist is younger. It's not a, a, a working mother story. Um, she's 30 years old. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Hmm. There's so much advice out there. There's so much bad advice. Um, you know, the one, the one thing that I think about a lot is um, the writer's who are trying to chase the thing. You know, the people who a couple of years ago were saying, um, I want to write the next Gone Girl. That's what I want to do. I want to write the next Harry Potter. I want to write the next. And I, I think that, that modeling what you're working on after something that's already been successful is not going to bring about your most authentic voice. 
So I think that if people are telling you, you know, nobody wants to publish, you know, vampire young adult stories anymore, but you're dying to write this vampire young adult story, I say you go for it. Um, because I, I, I think that, um, I don't, I don't think you write to a market. I think you write to the thing that is speaking to you. That's good advice. Um, I'm curious, do you, do you feel like your, your time in, um, investment banking has impacted, um, your, your writing or your approach to your writing career at all? You know, probably not, um, except that it, you know, I, I certainly learned how to work hard and mm-hmm. I work really hard. Um, you know, there is a certain amount of drama that I absorbed during those years. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a really fascinating thing to stand in the middle of, you know, it's a lot of human drama and a lot of, you know, watching smart people blow up. Um, I, I think that that might've contributed to my interest in telling stories, um, but, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade any of it. If I could go back and start writing when I was 25 instead of doing the things that I did, I don't know that I'd be writing the things that I am, I'm writing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, you know, not all roses bloom at the same time or whatever that expression is. You know, I, sure. I don't think it was my time until now. Yep. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Mm. I just read... Um, the No Show by Beth O'Leary, who you read that beautiful quote <laughs> from earlier. Uh, that is probably in the in the romantic comedy type of story. I'd say that's one of the best I've read in ten years. Um, the other one in that group is um, the People You Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I think that's her best book. Uh, I actually think it's a perfect book. Um. And I've read a couple of books that haven't come out yet now. Do you want to hear about those? Yeah, sure. Um, there's two books that I read that I got to read early copies of that are coming out in September. One is called The Matchmaker's Gift by Linda Cohen Leugman. She wrote The Wartime Sisters and The Two Family House. I don't know if you'd read those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is absolutely magic. And that's coming out in September. So I'm looking forward to that. And the other one is Janine Zussi's, um novel, The Frederick Sisters Are Living the Dream, about a um, a woman who's taking care of her special needs sister, um, and it all goes horribly wrong. And it's just wonderful. There's wonderful books coming out. Well, that's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your new novel, Nora Goes Off Script? It's so easy to find me online because I'm so noisy these days. Um, I'm sick of the sound of my own voice. Um, I am at AnnabelleMonahan.com, um, and I'm Annabelle Monahan on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, so I just, I've been overposting about all of this stuff, but there's just so many exciting things happening. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Annabelle Monahan, author of the new novel, Nora Goes Off Script. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Annabelle, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hollywood's coming today. I'm not going to lose my house. Those two thoughts surface in the same moment as the sun starts to brighten my room. I've been paid for my screenplay, and the bonus money for letting them film here will hit my bank account at noon. Goodbye unpaid real estate taxes. Goodbye credit card debt. And to think, Ben's saying goodbye to me has made it all possible. 
I don't know how this day could get any better. I hop out of bed, grab my heaviest morning sweater, and head downstairs. I pour my coffee and go out to the porch to watch the sunrise. Whoever buys this house for me, I always think, will tear it down. It's over a hundred years old. Everything's broken. There's a certain point in January when the wind blows right into the kitchen and we have to duct tape a fleece blanket over the doorframe. The floorboards droop. There are only two bathrooms and they're both upstairs. Each bedroom has a closet designed to house six outfits, preferably for very small people. Ben had a list of house complaints he used to like to run through daily, and I could never shake the feeling that he was really complaining about me. This house is a disaster, sure, but I fell in love with it when I first looked down the long, windy path of the driveway. The magnolia trees that line either side touch in the middle, so that now, in April, you drive through a tunnel of pink flowers. When you emerge onto the main road, it feels like you've been transported from one world to another, like a bride leaving the church. It feels like a treat going out for milk, and it feels like a treat coming home. The house was built by a British doctor named George Faircloth, who lived in Manhattan and came upstate to Laurel Ridge in the summer, which explains the complete lack of winterization. It was built to be enjoyed on a 78-degree day and primarily from the outside. I imagine his landscaping this property like a maestro, arranging the magnolias and the forsythia beneath them to announce the beginning of spring. After a long gray winter, these first pink and yellow blooms shout, something's happening. By May, they'll have gone green with the rest of the yard, a quiet before the peonies and hydrangea bloom. I knew I'd do anything to live here when I saw the tea house in the back. It's a one-room structure the doctor had commissioned to honor the ritual of formal tea. Where the main house is flimsy white clabbered with peeling black shutters, the tea house is made of gray stone with a slate roof. It has a small working fireplace and oak-paneled walls. It's as if Dr. Faircloth reached over the pond and plucked it out of the English countryside. I distinctly remember hearing Ben use the word shed when we walked into it. And I ignored him, the way you do when you're trying to stay married. The first morning we woke up here, I got up at first light because we didn't have any curtains yet. I took my coffee to the front porch, and the sunrise was the surprise of my life. I'd never seen the house at 6 a.m. I didn't even know we were facing east. It was like a gift with purchase, a reward for loving this broken place. I stand on the porch now, taking it in before the movie crew arrives. Pink ribbons, then orange, creep up behind the wide-armed oak tree at the end of my lawn. The sun rises behind it differently every day. Some days, it's a solid bar of sherbet that rolls up like movie credits and fills the sky. Some days, the light dapples through the leaves in a muted gray. The oak won't have leaves for a few weeks, just tiny yellow and white blooms pollinating one another and promising a lawn full of acorns. My lawn is its best self in April, particularly in the morning when it's dew-kissed and catching the light. I don't know the science behind all of it, but I know the rhythm of this property like I know my own body. 
the sun will rise here every single day. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.